And welcome back, sports fans. It's the Coach Hess's Sports Corner. I'm Coach Hess. Here alongside me again is my faithful co-host, Brad Cross. And how you doing, Brad? Oh, I'm not doing too bad, Donnie. A little bit cold. The Arctic blast is coming right through the heart of Iowa. So got to warm up, got to layer up, get the heated blanket out and make sure you don't freeze to death. But other than that, doing all right. That's good to hear. I, I know sometimes staying warm in these interesting weather conditions here in our, our frigid Iowa is always fun. So, The high temperature on Sunday is forecasted to be negative 6 Fahrenheit. Oh, so boy. Iowans, enjoy yourselves. Oh, boy. And for the others in the other parts of the country, don't worry. We'll be fine. We're, we're a tough, hearty group. We'll figure it out. But always kind of fun. So, alrighty, before we hop into our game plan, I think most people – you can't not talk about it. The, the biggest American football game in the world happened this weekend. Um, Brad, we've talked off mic a little bit. We're, we're not exact. Neither of us are massive NFL fans. Did you watch the Super Bowl and what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely love watching the Super Bowl every year. It's a, it's a nice little family get together. Of course, this year is a little bit different because of COVID. Um, I, I do enjoy watching the Chiefs play. They're they're one of my favorites. Uh, I'm a Vikings fan, unfortunately, so probably not going to see us in the Super Bowl anytime soon. But yeah, I mean, it it was really it, it was a little bit of a disappointing game. I, I wanted it to be a little bit closer, and the the quote unquote generational battle of quarterbacks between Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes didn't exactly live up to the hype. Um, you, you could blame it on this, that, or the other, but. It is what it is. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a, a worthy champion. They absolutely took the Chiefs to the pump. Um, what about you, Donnie? What, what do you do on Super Bowl Sunday? Um, I watched the game, but I did not enjoy it. I am, I'm, I call me weird. I'm a purist. I enjoy football for the sport of football. I don't enjoy it being a seven on seven with fat linemen standing around trying to do something. So for me, the NFL product has never been that great. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I had a nice little interesting comment on that. I won't go on to it here. I, I don't believe it's necessary. Um, I believe the refereeing did kind of affect the outcome of the game. Did it, did it change the winner? No, but I think there, there were a few things that I think changed the momentum of the game a little bit there for a bit. Um, in all, it was an okay game. It, it wasn't exactly the most entertaining. About mid-third quarter, I had checked out. I was kind of done. Uh, unfortunately, there's not a lot on television on Super Bowl Sunday, so unfortunately, there really wasn't much else to watch. So yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of stuck in the loop. You know, yeah. I, I gotta say, my my crazy sports stat of the day kind of does connect to the Super Bowl. And if if you want, I I, I could kind of switch things up on you a little bit and lead off with the crazy stat if you want. Well, if it's connected to the Super Bowl, I think it would be appropriate. So we got to hear it. What's your crazy stat of the week? Well, it, it does connect to the Super Bowl, like I said, and it connects to a man who has become near and dear to a lot of people in the Midwest, especially, especially Kansas City Chiefs fans, and that is quarterback Patrick Mahomes. And and this is a guy who, for, for people who might not know or follow American sports very well, he has become – very quickly of a, a generational talent a lot of people are talking about him and he he signed the what we thought at the time was the largest contract in sports at about a 500 million dollar contract extension over the over this past off season he's gone and purchased an ownership stake in the Kansas City Royals baseball team and and you don't get to that point unless you are a very good player so he did not have a great game on Sunday. He, he was only able to put up nine points. He, he didn't even score a touchdown. 
And it was the worst loss of his career since he was in college and he lost 66 to 10 as a Texas Tech Red Raider against none other than the Iowa State Cyclones. But that in itself was not the crazy stat. So I, I mentioned that the Chiefs didn't score a touchdown. Donnie, I'd, I'd like you to take a guess. Do you have any idea when the last time Patrick Mahomes was unable to score a touchdown was? Oh, boy. Let me, let me guess. Probably sometime in high school. Not, not even. This was the very first game of Patrick Mahomes' football career. NFL, college, or high school. All oh, of geez. high school. First game in his entire career where a Patrick Mahomes quarterback offense failed to score a touchdown. And imagine getting to the point where your very first football game of not being able to score a touchdown on offense is in your third season and your second Super Bowl. That, that's, that to me, is just absolutely insane. Oh, talk about epic timing on that one and not in a good way. Wow, that is, that is, that is a crazy stat. That is, that is absolutely insane and an absolutely kind of perfect little starter to, to a crazy Super Bowl weekend. Now I think let's, let's kind of go back into our niche. You and I love talking about this. We'll hop into our game plan since we already kind of did our crazy stat of the day. We'll hop into college basketball, which I know you and I have a lot to talk about on this because we ended last podcast talking about Houston being the upset of the day and little did we know how crazy the rest of the evening as soon as we shut the mics off. That that was just the start. Oh boy, that was just the tiny tip of the iceberg. We'll hop off that. We'll hop over to Europe and sir, our favorite favorite thing in Europe is coming back. The Champions League is back next week. We gotta talk the matchups. We gotta preview the matchups. So we'll go do that this this week. We'll look at that. We'll talk Europa next week because since it doesn't start till Thursday of next week, it will hop on the ice and the continued struggles to kind of get NHL games in with COVID and kind of some of the changes and some of some of the changes in the standings and some of the movers and shakers in the NHL. So. We will go back to it, to the hardwood. We will revert back to last week. What did we say right as we ended the episode that Houston drops their another game, 82-73 to East Carolina? And, sir, wow, we wow, as soon as we shut the mic off, as soon as we thought that was it, number three, Villanova goes down, Florida goes down, Virginia Tech goes down. Creighton goes down all in one day. I, I mean, I could not believe it when I looked at this. I mean, how shocked were you that we have five upsets in one day? Well, it's crazy when when you have more ranked teams lose in a day than you have ranked teams win. And and like we talked about, we, we ended the podcast, and right as we were turning the mics off, Houston goes and loses to East Carolina – but the Villanova one was a little bit more shocking on, on first notice. And, and I got to say, this is, this is kind of crazy to think about, but Villanova hasn't played a ranked game since December 6th. They went and lost to Texas in the Big, East, Big 12 showdown, and they, they, they played in that game, sorry, and they won 68-64 over Texas. But that's the last time they've actually played in a ranked game. They've had a couple postponed. Yet Villanova is still now in the top five, and they they haven't had too many really big time matchups. Sorry, I'm trying to 
deal with a little bit of tech stuff here. But um, yeah, so they go and lose to St. John 70 to 59. And it was definitely a, a, big, a bit of a shakeup there. And then going off of that, you got Creighton going down the same day, Virginia Tech and Florida. So just all in all, and, and like we said, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And then going into going into Thursday, we had another one. And this is, this is one of the big ones that we were, we were hoping as Iowa fans that we could report differently, but Ohio state with an 89 to 85 loss. And to say that that angered us, Donnie, I, I think that that's a bit of an understatement. Oh boy. Let's the safe to say I'm, the the discouragement amongst Iowa faithful was very very noticeable after this game because again Luca Garza is so dominant he's so big and he faces an undersized forward line at Ohio State they don't have the size they have a few big guys but n- nothing with the experience or the abilities but it's just this Iowa team defensively is just not good enough to be able to keep this team where I think a lot of people expected that the expectations, unfortunately are seeming to be too high for this Iowa team that has faded so badly in the last few weeks. It's, it's very frustrating watching their games and it is discouraging going into it. I mean, later on, just after recording today, they play Rutgers and for some of the people I've talked to, they're, they're not too confident about them winning that game either. So uh, this this game is very highly discouraging to to a fan base that just wants to have a little bit of success in the team. Well, and I'll tell you what really, quite frankly, pissed me off the most was that Ohio State kind of allowed Iowa back into it in the last little bit. They they gave us the little small glimpse of hope that you sometimes get when you when you start to lose it and then you kind of get creep your way back in, and they they had the opportunity. And they completely wasted it. They they had about what was it? I think like twenty seconds, mm-hmm. and they they took it up the court. And they, I think they chucked up three separate shots, and they missed all three, and completely ran the clock out. And I was and and I was yelling at my TV. I was like, "Shoot the ball! Shoot the ball!" Of course, it was a little bit more colorful than that, mm-hmm. but it, it was just so frustrating. And then we'll talk about it a little bit later. Their game later in the week, but yeah, when when you're talking about discouragement amongst the Iowa fans. I mean, I, I, I hate to say this, but it seems as though this Iowa team is just allergic to the spotlight. And when the lights come on, the, the shots don't end up falling and the defense doesn't show up and they, they lost to a Gonzaga team, which is seeming impossible to beat. So you can kind of give them a little bit of a pass on that, but then losses to Illinois, to Indiana, to Ohio State, it's it's just not not good for the Hawkeyes, and it, it's starting to look a little bit bleak on that front. And their Big Ten dreams are gone, unfortunately. We had said kind of in the last podcast, I said that Ohio State win is is a is a must win. If you want to win the Big Ten, you have to win that game. And they just they they couldn't pull it off when they needed to. Unfortunately, it's it's been talked about in some of the circles that I've listened to is the Fran the the Fran McCaffrey fade. They fade sometime after January every year they always they play really really well and then they hit this it's like they hit a proverbial wall I don't know what it is I I can't explain it I can't put my finger on it I I don't know what it is but it's almost like clockwork there an Iowa team is going to fade at some time between February and March and I don't know why 
I don't know if it's something coach McCaffrey does in practice. I don't know if maybe it's the kids he's bringing in. I don't know, but I don't know. I just, I, I don't want to discuss that because unfortunately if, if I thought that game was enraging later on in the week it would enrage me a little bit even more, but um, kind of going off that same day um, I was, you had kind of mentioned it earlier as Gonzaga got, um, quite a scare from Pacific. I, I watched this game. This game was played late. Um, for those that, that look at the final score, they see 76-58. Well, Gonzaga won that one pretty easily. Gonzaga did not lead until about six minutes left in the game. They were down from the third minute until, like I said, about the eight-minute mark of the fourth uh, of the second half. Pacific frustrated them. They couldn't hit their shots. They started get they started getting frustrated. Um, so this that I don't know. There's maybe a tiny bit of a tiny chink that was maybe a little bit exposed in that um, in that game a little bit. So I'm I'm gonna be very interested to see if some college coaches maybe use what Pacific did defensively against Gonzaga going forward. But we'll definitely have to see. So, so we hop forward from Thursday. We hop into Saturday, and and again some some really really good matchups. Um, I think the first one we got to talk about is the SEC. Two of the top teams, the SEC, go down, and mighty Alabama goes down. Um, Missouri nips them 68-65. And this was a game, I think, it, it kind of shocked a few people because Bama had been playing so well. But sadly, I look at it and go, unless Bama has a, a, an epic fall apart, this game will kind of be minuscule because all it will be is – a back pocket for Missouri that they know they beat Alabama, but I don't think this is going to change the SEC title game, the SEC champion in the regular season, in my personal opinion. Um, did you get a chance to see any of this game, sir? Yeah, I watched the highlights, and, and it was really, really interesting seeing how Missouri just jumps out to this huge lead early, goes into half with a with a 16-point lead, and then they go and allow a serious comeback by Alabama. And I think that I, I don't want to diminish what Missouri did. A win's a win, and a, and a win against a top-10 team is a, is a very good win for your resume. But I, I think that if Alabama had had a bit of a better start and they had a couple more shots fall, I think that they probably would have been able to win this game. And then, like you said, Alabama is still on top of the SEC in terms of the division standings. So as long as they can keep it in check, the, there's still a couple of games ahead of Missouri and Arkansas in the standings. And of course, Tennessee and Florida are a little bit further back, but um, yeah, it was a it was a little bit of a what you would think as think of as a mulligan for Alabama. Um, if if you're an Alabama fan, I wouldn't be too worried about that because you, you've still got a couple of games that you can write the ship, and you, you've got a couple of games coming up and out for Alabama: home against Georgia, away against Texas A&M, home against Vanderbilt. You quite frankly, you should be able to win all those. Um, the A&M game might be a little bit of a challenge since it's on the road. Georgia can always be a little bit tough. But quite frankly, if you're Alabama, you should be well and set going into the last couple of games in the conference slate. Definitely, for sure. So, so um, I want to throw it up to you. Which would you rather talk about now, the big matchup in the Big Ten or the big matchup of the Big 12 that happened on Saturday? I kind of want to talk about the Big Ten, Donnie, because Illinois going and getting a 75-60 win over Wisconsin, this is this is big. And, I mean, it, this was another of those wire-to-wire -wire wins we talk about. And, 
And if you go back a couple of podcast episodes ago, we were talking about how we might not be entirely convinced with Illinois that they might be a bit of a two-man team. And now they're coming back. They're, they're, they've rattled off a couple of really good wins in a row. They beat, they beat Wisconsin. They beat Indiana on the road in overtime, which is, as we know, that's, that's a difficult thing to do. They, they beat Alabama. They, they played Ohio State tough. But they're, I think that they might be hitting their stride a little bit, Illinois. And they've got a couple of, they got a couple of favorable games coming up. They, they got Nebraska, Northwestern, Minnesota, and Michigan State. So if Illinois can keep on the momentum that they're on right now, they might be in a really good position heading into the, to the rest of the season because right now they're only a half game behind Michigan in the Big Ten Conference. Definitely for sure. And this this is an Illinois team that may have absolutely epic timing of deciding to play much better basketball. But the, the only thing, and again, I, I don't want I don't want to discredit Illinois. Illinois looked really, really good in this game. I did watch this. But I'm I'm questioning Wisconsin a little bit. I'm 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 really questioning whether this team is legitimately that good. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe Illinois maybe Illinois is better than I thought they were. I don't know, but this this Wisconsin team has that they've struggled offensively. I don't think they have the the scorers that they need to win some of these tougher games. And the fact that they again they still cannot find a way to beat a ranked team, and, and their their schedule does not get much easier going on to the rest of the year. So I don't know. I'm I'm happy for Illinois. I think this this really helps them out. This gives them a boost going in. Like I like we had kind of, like you kind of said a, a nice little <laughs> nice little nice run for them where they can pull off maybe potentially two three wins in a row. But again, the Big Ten has been kind of insane. As soon as you think as soon as you think you you have an easy cupcake, they find a way to bite you. So exactly. I don't know. We'll, we'll definitely have to see. This Wisconsin team definitely needs to to step it up a little bit. Um, they're 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 not playing good basketball right now at the worst possible time going into mid February and March when you really need to start playing your best basketball going in going into your conference tournament potentially your NCAA tournament. So so I I, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. Illinois played really well. Um, so we'll move to the Big Twelve. And woeful Kansas, woeful Kansas, woeful Kansas drops another one, 91-79. Wow. How the mighty have fallen, sir. That's putting it lightly. (laughs) Oh, wow. I... West Virginia played so well in this game. Um, Kansas is just, I don't know what Bill Self is going to be able to do. I just, I really don't see how he can right this ship with, with any kind of, of, of confidence uh, going through this year. I just, I don't know this, this one, it, the, the margin didn't surprise me. It was the effort. It was, it was the execution in this one that, that did a little bit. Kansas did, did not put up a, a massive fight in this game. Well, and that in itself has been a bit of a recurring theme amongst Kansas this season. I mean, we, we remember the game against Texas at Allen Fieldhouse where they got absolutely destroyed and they they couldn't put up a decent fight against Baylor. They've been beaten by Oklahoma, so it, it's kind of crazy. the 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 whole of this season has been crazy. But when you think of teams like Kansas with five losses in conference, and then teams like Kentucky and North Carolina and Duke who have done similar, it, it, you ta- you said it earlier how the mighty have fallen. So now it's it's really going to be interesting, especially amongst those top couple of teams: Baylor, West Virginia. OU and Texas and kind of going with West Virginia here 
kind of like what I was saying about Illinois. They're they're they look like they're kind of hitting their stride right now. They've they've rattled off they've rattled off several wins on the trot uh, apart from the Florida loss in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge, but they they've gotten a couple of good wins against really good teams. So if they can keep this up, watch out for West Virginia too. I mean, they're going to have a really big game coming up on Saturday against Oklahoma in Morgantown, which is going to be really telling. Um, and then they're going to have Texas after a couple of postponements that they had, a, they had a couple of games against Baylor get postponed, which is too bad. That would have been a really good match. And a 91-point performance against Kansas is definitely a, a really good benchmark to set. Definitely, for sure. And then, again, kind of going off the theme of, of Wednesday and, and then moving on, we have another massive upset, another unranked team taking down a top-10 team, Oklahoma State. The Everpasky Cowboys find a way to nip Texas by 8, 75, 67. I mean, Baylor must be sitting, even during their COVID pause, just laughing because these teams that were, were supposed to be their number one competitors keep finding ways to lose games. They're, they, they must be sitting in the catbird seat right now. Just Yeah, it's, 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 it's just dog-eat-dog, dog, man. It's, it's the, the teams that are really trying to get back up into contention with Baylor just keep beating each other. And like you said, for Baylor, they they just must they must be sitting there laughing with that little maniacal laugh that you would get if you're a big boss watching all the other little little guys try to try to climb their way up and keep just keep falling down. So Oklahoma State that that win got them up into the rankings and they they got to try and keep themselves there. They went and lost a little bit later in the week to to Kansas of all people that we were just talking about. But but Oklahoma State, like you said, they're really they're they're really tough. And Cade Cunningham is one of those guys that he he's he's trying to put the team on his back, and he he went and had himself a great game. He went and got 19 points, and so I, I gotta say, Oklahoma State, if if you're in the Big Ten, Big 12, and you're looking to try and get up there, you don't want to play Oklahoma State right now because they're they're definitely a pesky team. Definitely for sure. And going off that same that same theme. Sunday saw two more unranked teams beat ranked teams. Can we teams. just skip Sunday? I would love to, but unfortunately, <laughs> we, we would be doing a disservice to our lovely audience. Unfortunately, the state of Iowa did not have a very good Super Bowl start since Sunday Super Bowl start, as both Iowa and once undefeated Drake both go down over the weekend. And okay, the Drake one isn't a massive surprise surprise to me. Valparaiso is always a tough team. They always have good basketball teams. We knew Drake Drake. With valley with the valley being tough, never an easy valley to get through. I didn't think they would get through undefeated. I was hoping, I really was, but the Indiana loss, again, as we've kind of said, the Ohio State loss was frustrating. This one was infuriating because Iowa was playing so well for the longest period of time in this game. Looked like they were going to be able to avenge their loss at home. And capitulation, thy name just rocked up and hit this Iowa team right in the mouth. And I just, I don't know what to say. This is what you were talking about, that February fade showing its face in one game. You got off to a great start. You're doing well. You allow them back into the game at the end of the first half. Then you kind of rebound against it. And then right at the end, just go and completely just toss it all away. And it's, 
and you said it was infuriating and and that that's putting it lightly and I said it earlier the Hawks are the Hawks are really making making fans upset and they're making them lose faith and that's the exact opposite of what you want to do if you're a top team and it's it's really especially frustrating because we know that the talent is there the the talent is obvious and it's 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 a lack of cohesion and it's a lack of execution and it's a lack of everything and right now the Hawkeyes just the Hawkeyes need to rattle off a couple of wins on the trot because if they don't they're they're going to fall further down and they might find themselves outside of the top 25 come selection Sunday and it's just it's not great yeah, the last one was I checked Andy Andy Katz puts out his normal bracketology and and he has Iowa currently as a three seed in Gonzaga, in Gonzaga's bracket with a two seed of Alabama. That that is that is ugly. And that Iowa that there. and that might be a generous a generous seed in its own right, just given definitely. how Iowa has been playing. Yep, definitely for sure. Unfortunately, we. But, well, we can hope. We can only hope. But unfortunately, that's yep. not all we have right now is, is a lack of execution on the defensive end, just really costing this team precious wins and precious seeding. I mean, so we, we will definitely see. It's the first time that we go into the rankings on Monday, and it's the first time they've fallen out of the top 10 all year. And, and, and unfortunately, unless they start winning, they could tank right out of it. But we will see. So we go to so we go to Monday, and then this pesky Oklahoma State team, who we just talked about with a massive win over Texas, goes in, lays goes in goes into Fog Island Field House, and Kansas decides, oh yeah, we we're Kansas, we should win now, and they beat them seventy eight sixty six, and I almost kind of look at it as does this win get Kansas back into their rankings for the first time? Since they dropped, this is the first time Kansas dropped out. What was it? Some, some odd, like over 200 weeks that Kansas went into this week, not ranked. Yep. And, and like you were saying how the mighty have fallen. And I got to say, this is one of the first games all year that I was actually really impressed with the performance from David McCormick from Kansas. And he's one, one of the guys where every time I turn it on a Kansas game, it's just like, when, when is David McCormick going to pop up? When is he going to have a really good game? And this was one of the games that he really, really showed up. And the whole Kansas team actually played pretty well. Every single one of their starters scored double digits. McCormick with 15, Braun with, with 15, Garrett with 17, Agbaji with 10, and Wilson with 11. So when, when you're able to get your whole team into it, there, there's no reason why you should lose. And so for, for once, Kansas was actually able to put it all together against a really good team in Oklahoma State. So credit to Kansas. I, and I would think that they should be able to get back up into the rankings it, um, come next week. They, they've got a game coming up against Iowa State on Thursday and on Saturday. So they've got, they've got a difficult trip to Hilton. We, we all know, especially being from Iowa, that going to Hilton and getting a win, um, regardless of how good or bad Iowa State is, it's always a bit tricky up there. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think that Kansas – should be back up into the rankings come Monday. 
Yeah, which is very, very interesting. It breaks their record and actually puts a new overall number one, number one longest rated rankings. I I won't go into it. I'll I'll give you one guess. It's a team I know quite well. We'll we'll leave that tease at that. It it, it could it couldn't happen to be the Gonzaga Bulldogs. It it would it would be uh, only 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 ninety straight consecutive weeks being ranked a measly ninety weeks. Just a measly ninety weeks. But compared to the two hundred or so on that Kansas was, it was it was quite tame. But we will definitely see. So we'll hop in. So so Monday doesn't really have much. And then we hop into yesterday and another upset in the Big 12. Again, Baylor is sitting here just enjoying this as West Virginia goes to Lubbock and gets an 11-point win. As we said, these Mountaineers are hitting their stride at the right time. Sadly, I really wish this Mountaineers team does get a chance to play Baylor because I really want to see this game because I think the Mountaineers defense can match up really well, and I'd love to see this game. I really hope they, they have a chance to, to make up that game. But did you get a chance to see the the, high, the highlights or any of this game between Texas Tech and West Virginia? Yeah, it, it was back and forth. I mean, just when you thought that Texas Tech would be able to come back and take a little bit more of an advantage, West Virginia would take it back and – I got to say, Texas Tech has not had a great last couple of days. Mahomes goes and loses the Super Bowl, and they go and fall at home to West Virginia. And it's – like I said, West Virginia really is hitting their stride. And and Mac McClung, only 17 points. You you would think that he'd be able to do a little bit better than that. But West Virginia, they're really, really turning it on. McNeil with 26, McBride with 20, Culver with 15. So watch out for West Virginia because if they, if they can keep it up, they, they might be a serious threat to Baylor. And like you said, uh, a game between those two would be really, really great to see. Definitely for sure. And looking at it, I don't think there's very many other games that I think we can really need to sink our teeth into. Um, I got to ask, okay, so we went through our review. Before we hop into the preview, I just got a couple of quick questions that, I, that I'd love to talk about. We, we kind of discussed this before. I mean, I think you kind of know the way I've discussed it. I absolutely love the upset, but I have seen some people that think the upset is actually bad for college basketball. The fact that Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky are not playing well. I mean, in your opinion, do you think the upsets or the the number, sheer number of upsets this year has been better for the game, or do you think it's actually damaging the reputation of college basketball? I don't think that it's damaging the reputation of college basketball. And, and, and I think that you made mention to this while we were off camera, um, that a lot of the people that are mad about all these upsets and the people that are not, that are mad about the big big teams not necessarily being up there, are probably fans of those big teams like Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky and all those. So my, my, what I would say to them is, well, if you don't like the fact that all these teams are, are beating each other, why don't you get a little bit better and then go at them yourself? Um, it, it's, it's, I, I've said this before. I, I love chaos. I, I love to, I love seeing all these teams get a shot and, and all of these different ranked matchups and all, all the, we're, we're getting good quality basketball. I mean, for the most part, a lot of these games are really entertaining to watch. And, and that's one of the things for me. It's just like, I, I want to have fun watching a game. I, I don't want to see like a, like if it's going to be a 100 to 50 blowout and the team's up by 30 at half, it's like, I don't want to watch that. I, I want to see something go down to the wire, like a, 
like an 80 to 78 or something like that, or like a 90 to 89 or whatever. So the chaos for me, it, it's fun. It's fun for me. I mean, I mean, what do you think, Donnie? And the NCAA tournament is my favorite time of the year because nothing is predictable. As soon as you think, you know, an upset happens that nobody saw coming. I mean, how many people could sit here and honestly raise their hand and say they saw UMBC beating Virginia when Virginia Florida was Gold the Coast. number one Fl- overall. Yep. Florida, Florida Gold Coast, Coast making the Sweet 16. Lehigh beating Duke the one year. Uh, Loyola making the Final Four. Exactly. You know, it's I, I absolutely love it. I think like I, I'm one of those, I've said this numerous times, I think college basketball is much more exciting to watch because the the prosperity, the 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 differentiation, the the spread out of talent, because of so few spots on each team, I think is making college basketball a better product than college football. All, all due respect to college football, but most of us go in every year saying there's about five teams that can win a national championship max, and that's max. You come into this college basketball season, and I think most people would say right now there's two teams maybe four, but there is so much drama and chaos underneath those two that it it makes a very, very intriguing NCAA tournament because you don't know who's going to survive an NCAA tournament. And the fact that it's all going to be in one place, is just going to make it that much more intriguing. The tournament is shorter. The games are going to be played closer together. I'm, I mean, this is a perfect preview. I, I, I absolutely love this season, as frustrating as it can be in certain situations because you think, okay, we're going to get a top 25 that isn't going to see a lot of changes. Bang, 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 bang. Seven teams get beat, and everything yep. changes. So, so there is, the only thing that has been consistent this entire year has been Gonzaga and Baylor at one and two. And chaos underneath. And chaos from three down, and it's yep. absolutely – entertaining as as all get out and if for any reason Baylor or Gonzaga lose this who knows what kind of chaos is going to happen I really want Michigan's program to get back up and going because I really kind of they were hitting their stride at the right time they were starting to get some of the tougher teams in the Big Ten Um, I'm really hoping that unfortunately as I see Villanova um, will not be playing to Paul did not play to Paul yesterday so I really feel bad for this Villanova team because I think a lot of people have a lot of, of high hopes for them, and they keep getting games canceled. Thankfully, if I see right on our schedule, they play Marquette a little bit later today, so at least they're getting a game in. But I think that's the reason Villanova was having a little bit of trouble with St. John's. They had just come back from like a two-week break. So, But for me, I absolutely love the chaos. I think it, I think it only makes the, that much more entertaining basketball, and I look forward to more because – I don't think we're done yet. I, I seriously oh, do not, not think not in the slightest are even close to done. And I think this NCAA tournament will be a, a just an absolute must watch. So I go from there. Um, we've kind of discussed it before. And the more I keep seeing these COVID cancellations, I really start leaning closer to I should we really have conference tournaments or should we just have the conference champion make it and then throw our atlibs from there just to save ourselves a couple of weeks of potential infection rates and try to get through the NCAA tournament with the least amount of games lost? Yeah, I, I think that you can you can have the argument for for some some teams, especially in the lower conferences, that the conference tournament winner can get a 
a, a Cinderella birth into March Madness. And so from that, from that vantage point, I can understand wanting to keep them around. But at the same time, the, you said it, the, the, the COVID cancellations are hurting the season, and especially the ones for Baylor, Michigan, Villanova. Um, luckily, Gonzaga hasn't had to deal with any. I know that Iowa's dealt with a couple, and we were originally going to record today's episode tomorrow so we could watch Baylor versus Oklahoma tonight and Rutgers versus Iowa tonight. And then that got postponed because of COVID. So the day after we recorded, we couldn't have. I remember our text message after that happened. We were both like, "Really?" It's like, yeah, we're just so, like, "Oh well, there there goes another plan out and, the window." And, and sadly, Gonzaga has had issues. The good thing that they've had is that many of the other teams in the WCC have also had it, so they've been able to. They've technically both BYU games that have been scheduled this year were moved up from their original dates because they weren't supposed to play BYU at BYU into the last regular season game of the year. They just played Monday. So, and they've moved up. The biggest thing is, is that Santa Clara, Santa Clara and LMU have both had some COVID issues. And unfortunately their last three games have been against them. So thankfully, like I said, the Pacific game that they got the scare was actually a move up. They moved that game up and then BYU hopped in on monday they were supposed to play in like three weeks so right well, now, i will say i will say going back to that pacific game it, it, it is kind of it is kind of nice to see that gonzaga is human that they're mm-hmm. not all a bunch of just incredible robot basketball players that can't lose so i, I guess kind of going off of that and looking forward so we've, we've got a couple of really good games coming up this weekend we can we can start with that Rutgers iowa game tonight and we've said it like if Iowa's going to reestablish any bit of momentum heading into the latter stretch of the big 10 season and going into selection Sunday, they, they need to win against Rutgers. I mean, they, they beat them earlier this year at the rack, which is a, a very tough venue. We, we talked about Hilton being a tough venue and going to other places around the country and being tough. The rack is really tough. And even though there weren't fans there, Rutgers are, are a good team this year and, and Iowa need to get it done on their home court. And this one's going to be the first one of the night. And, we, we, we got a couple of really good games coming up. And unfortunately, Illinois, Michigan got postponed tomorrow. But one of the ones that I, one of the ones that I really want to talk about on Saturday, and, and we're looking at the schedule, but Loyola versus Drake. I, I, I want to give this a shout out quickly because had Drake not fallen out of the rankings, this would have been a ranked versus ranked matchup in the Valley. And who would have ever thought that we would have gotten to the point where we would have had a ranked the ranked matchup there? But seventeen and three Loyola versus eighteen and one Drake. That that's going to be a really fun one to watch, and it's going to be on ESPN too, Donnie. That that's it's not often that we get to see the Drake Bulldogs playing on national TV, so in that'll be a fun one. And it'll be in Des Moines yeah. too. It'll be at the Nap Center, which will be which will be really really good. And I think in some sense, in, in you look at it, Loyola is probably a little bit disappointed that Drake lost because not only would that have been a matchup matchup, but that would have given a higher quad win for Loyola, Chicago, or Drake. No matter who no matter who won that game, because of the fact they were ranked, it would be a quad one win. So it'd be even more weight for their for their resume. So if I'm in the middle of Chicago, I'm a, I'm a little bit mad at Valpo for beating them because you would have wanted to to have been the ones to do that. Um, kind of going through, I, I like Saturday's slate. Uh, your boys, Oklahoma, host uh, go to uh, go to Morgantown, uh, a very hot Morgan, uh, very hot West Virginia team. I think that that could be one of the games. 
of the day. That that one's going to be really tough. I mean, you you've got a team in Oklahoma that are that they're really good at playing hard man defense, and they're a, they're able to keep teams to a low amount of points. So if you can cool off West Virginia a little bit, and you you can get your own offense going, I think that OU might be a chance in this game. But it's all going to depend on how well West Virginia is shooting the ball. Definitely. And then staying in the Big 12, a very, very intriguing matchup at 1 o'clock. Texas Tech goes to Waco. Hopefully, crossing my fingers, Baylor is going to be able to play that game. This is going to be a test for Baylor. Being off, not playing, not practicing full squad, and having to play a Texas Tech team that comes off of a, a kind of a de- debilitating loss at home to West Virginia, um, this is kind of a perfect. This is kind of a perfect little storm here for Baylor. If if I'm Baylor fans, I'd be a little concerned. This is this is one of the few teams you did not want to have on your schedule coming straight back from this from this bye week, uh, from this from this COVID pause for sure. Um, I don't know. This 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 could potentially scream upset here for me a little bit. Uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm thinking the same thing. Hopefully, we can get that game in. Um, but Texas Tech, they they're coming off a, a win against Oklahoma, which was an absolutely, it, it was a defensive masterclass, and it was it was a really tough one for for fans who who might like a little bit of a high scoring game. It was it was a it was a bit of a tough watch, and then they went and lost to West Virginia. So. I think that this is a Texas Tech team that's going to look to come out and prove a point. So we're going to have to wait and see on that one. Um, another one that's really intriguing for me is Villanova. We were talking about them. They haven't played a whole lot of ranked games. They, they got a tough one. They're going to Omaha. They're playing Creighton on Saturday at 4 o'clock. So we, we talked about Creighton kind of going up and down in the rankings. They're at 19 right now. It's always tough playing against Creighton. How do you how do you think this one might play out, Donnie? Well, this for all Big East fans, they're going to love this because this this gets their, this gets their two be- probably their two best teams at least via the rankings to face each other. So this is going to be a good team for them. This is a Nova team that they got to play Marquette a little bit later after recording. Uh, I want to see how they go. Again, they've had some they've had some COVID they've had some COVID pause game games missed. I really want to see how they kind of go. Um, if Villanova can go into Omaha and knock off Creighton, that 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 strengthens their resume. It keeps them still in the chance to be a, a one in the NCAA tournament. But a loss could be quite debilitating for them because it's going to it's going to topple them big time in the rankings. So we'll definitely have to see. And Creighton is never never easy to beat in Omaha. So that that that's going to be a whale of a game in the Big East. I think that that could be a, a make or break it there for Villanova. Um, and the only and Blue going Jays. off of that, the the only other ranked matchup at the moment for Vill- for Villanova the rest of the year is going to be the reverse fixture against Creighton in March. Mm-hmm. So they're they're not going to have a whole lot of other chances to get very good quality wins to further raise themselves if they end up losing in Omaha. Yeah, that's a resume builder there. That's going to be absolutely critical for them to keep quad one wins in in, in their form. Uh, so Saturday looks really good. Uh, well, well, I got to dive back to the Big Ten. Um, I think a lot of it kind of depends on how today goes, but another tough matchup. Iowa having to go to East Lansing and play Michigan State. Um, that, that one will be quite intriguing for Iowa fans, depending on how today goes. Depending on how today goes. They beat Rutgers. This, this is a game. It's a great game to have. Uh, a Michigan State team that's not playing very good basketball right now and, and coming off the high of a Rutgers win and you don't have to play a really difficult team after playing a really difficult team might be perfect for them. Um, 
Any other matchups you're seeing on Saturday that, that kind of pique your interest? Well, I'll tell you what, there, there's one a little bit further down. Um, you, you might expect to see this as a ranked, ranked game, but not in the year of COVID. We got the North Carolina Tar Heels are going on the road to play the ninth ranked Virginia Cavaliers. And like I said, it's not a ranked rank because what North Carolina is actually out of the rankings, but th- this one's always going to be a tough one for Virginia. They're, they're trying to hit their stride again. They're, they're back up into the top 10. They're, they're going to be playing against the North Carolina team who they're, they're never easy, even though they're not ranked, but it, it'll be interesting to see how Virginia gets on this one. Definitely for sure. And that that's kind of Saturday's slate looking at it, man. I turned it over to Sunday and Sunday's got some pretty darn good basketball games. I, I cross my fingers that Michigan will be able to play Michigan going to Madison to play the Badgers here you go, Badgers. Here's your opportunity to get a game against a ranked team coming off a COVID break. This is absolutely perfect. This is prime upset situation here. Then we go to it. Not only do we have that one at noon, but we also have Houston hosting Memphis. Memphis is always a tough team. That, that should be quite an interesting. And then the re-up, your double, you get Drake and Loyola Chicago again. I mean, that's a nice it, little that's a nice little three ranked games in, for if Sunday. Drake, if Drake goes and beats Loyola both times, if they can pull off two wins against Loyola, which is going to be it's going to be difficult because Loyola's good, mm-hmm. but if they can if they can pull off two of those back to back, that is enormous for the Bulldogs, and that might be enough to pull vault them back up into the rankings. They they definitely fell a little bit. I think if I saw it right, they only got let me see, they only got sixteen votes in the in the poll this week they're they're behind the likes of colorado san diego state xavier ucla and florida but if they can go and get two wins off of a loyola team who are themselves ranked 22nd right now watch out for drake because they they might be able to launch themselves back up into the rankings Definitely, for sure. And then I, I spoke too soon, sir. Looking over on Monday, I get my wish. Baylor going to Morgantown to play the to play West Virginia. Oh, my gosh, I cannot wait. I will be sitting in front of my television. Cannot wait for that game because I think this could be an absolute cracking game of basketball. West Virginia playing really, really well. Baylor will have had that game against Texas Tech into it, so they'll have at least a little bit of into their legs. Going to Morgantown, that's going to be a ball. Definitely. And then we, we've got a couple of other ones. Virginia and Florida State, a bit of a bit of a good game in the S in the ACC, my bad. Um, Florida State are hanging around there. They're they're at seventeen right now. They're ten and three. They they've had a little bit of COVID problems themselves, but that they're gonna they're gonna get back into it. They've got a game against Wake Forest to kind of prep themselves. And this game is gonna be in Tallahassee. So a, a chance for Florida State to kind of reestablish themselves going forward here tough couple of games for Virginia but that could be very very good for their little resume in the ACC to potentially win the ACC title if they can win both those games over the next few days skipping over to Tuesday just before our next recording and a lot of a lot of matchups ranked versus unranked but we get the Red River we get the Red River rivalry again both ranked Texas going to Oklahoma sir I bet you are super excited for this one Anytime OU and Texas play, regardless of the sport, it's always it's always one to watch. Um, I, I think they're a little bit lucky not having to play Baylor to, to start off this little run here. 
but they're going to be going off of a West Virginia game in Morgantown and then coming home to play the Longhorns. So it's, it's going to be really tough because we, we've all seen how good Texas can be, but we've also seen the, the, the potential of Oklahoma. So if they can go into Morgantown and put up a respectable game there, even if they lose that, they're going to have the chance to rebound against the Texas team, which they can beat and they already have beaten. So it, it's going to be a really, really crucial game because after that, they're going to have some winnable games against Iowa State and Kansas State. You can't, can't ever guarantee a win, but those are games that in all likelihood they should be able to win. So big games against West Virginia and Texas, and then a little bit, little bit more favorable with Iowa State and Kansas State following that. But a, but a couple of really crucial games coming up for Oklahoma. Definitely, for sure. And I think that is going to do it for basketball. And, sir, we got to do it. We're going to fly over to Europe. And this week we are, going, we are going to focus on the elite football tournament that is the Champions League. And, my gosh, four absolutely mouthwateringly beautiful football games set up for us on Tuesday and Wednesday. We got to go through them. And how do we get it started? Two o'clock on Tuesday, Barcelona host PSG. You, you want to talk about a barn burner that, that we've seen it before between these two teams. And we, we know just how crazy it can get. And in the, in the era of COVID where it's going to be no fans in the stands, it's going to be very interesting to see, of course, PSG having sacked their coach a little bit, a little bit ago, they've got Mauricio Pochettino in now, and they're going to be going up against a Barcelona team who in themselves are, they're, they're trying to establish a bit of a, a bit of a rhythm. They just today, they lost in the, Copa del Rey semifinals against Sevilla, who themselves are playing Champions League a little bit later. But this is a Barcelona team who right now they're sitting third in the in the La Liga table. They're eight points behind Atletico Madrid. They're now behind Real. So if if Barcelona can can fit all of the pieces together, they might be able to give PSG a little bit of trouble. But honestly, right now, I'm kind of thinking that PSG might have a bit of a bit of an upper hand here. They they're they're kind of establishing themselves again. They they lost to Lorient a little bit ago, right before the calendar ticked over to February, but they've won six out of their last seven, including wins against the likes of Marseille, Nimes, and they have a big game this weekend coming up against Nice at home at the Parc des Princes. This, this is going to be at the Camp Nou, so it's going to be a little bit of an advantage for Barcelona with the home field. But honestly, Donnie, I, I'm I'm thinking the run that they've been on in recent form in the Champions League, the the defending finalists having lost to Bayern Munich last year, I think that PSG are going to have a little bit of an upper hand here. These are two leg two leg fixtures here, so this is just the first leg of two. But I, I think that PSG have the ability to go and pull off a draw or maybe get a couple of away goals and and potentially win that first leg. Definitely for sure. And I don't know, I saw it somewhere that there may be a injury scare for Neymar again. I think yeah. Neymar left the game during left the game 
Yep, I'm reading it right now. He's got he had an adductor injury and, and an he had injury. To, he had to come off. So so there's still there's a little bit of intrigue going into this game whether Neymar will be able to play in, in this game, and whether or not that's going to affect the outcome of this game again. It's two it's a two legged series, so that it's not all going to come down to this first game. But I think honestly, I look at it as who gets the first goal in this game. Um, if you're PSG, if you're PSG, you do not want to let Barcelona get any kind of momentum. Yes, you don't have to worry about a fan base. Yes, you don't have to worry about it. But away goals with them still being there is absolutely deadly. PSG needs to get a goal. They need to get that first goal because that's going to settle them down. It's going to be able to give them that little bit of an advantage going back to France in a couple of weeks. Um, so for me, I don't know. I I really kind of see like. Neymar plays, PSG has the better team. Neymar doesn't play. I think this game really balances out, and I think then it comes down to who scores first. This is a tough one to pick. Like I said, there's there's a few things that still need to happen between now and, and Tuesday. Unfortunately, with this recording, we don't we don't have the magic ball to be able to tell us when, but it's going to be very intriguing. Um, I agree with you. I think PSG wins this in the double leg just because of the fact I think PSG just has a little bit more. I think they have a little bit more momentum in and of itself. But PSG has been struggling in France this year, which is not normal. I will say kind of kind of thinking of, of the round of 16, it's a little bit beneficial in the round of 16 for the team that loses or gets a little bit behind because there is a bit of a break. You usually have either three or four weeks in between ties to be able to kind of reset, put it at least kind of out of your mind a little bit, kind of put it toward the back of the back of the memory and be able to refocus for the second leg. So, and and, I mean, we've seen it in this exact tie that the first leg never decides the winner because we saw it a couple of years ago when PSG won the first leg four nil and Barcelona came back and won six to one in the return. So it's definitely never over until it's over. Um, never, never have any fear if you go a couple of goals down in the first leg because you can always come back. But I do think that PSG have a little bit of the upper hand. Um, we'll have to see with Neymar and how well he is in terms of his injury. But I, I got to say, uh, I'm not a PSG supporter, but, but I really like Kylian Mbappe. So I, I think that, he, he's one of the things that, Bar, that PSG have now that they didn't when they played Barcelona a couple of years ago in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. And, and having played against him last year in the Champions League final as a Bayern Munich fan, Mbappe is such a difference maker. And, and I, I think that this could seriously be a coming out party for him. And I, I, think, that, I think that he could go and score a couple of goals against a relatively speaking fragile Barcelona team that they sometimes – are a little bit shaky in the back. So uh, I'm, I'm giving the upper hand to PSG here, but never rule out a second leg comeback because we've obviously seen it before. Yeah. And you, when you have Messi in your lineup, you just never know too. Exactly. You just never know. And the other game that's going to happen on Tuesday of next week. Wow. RB Leipzig hosting Liverpool with the game, unfortunately, due to the German government not wanting any team, not anybody from England to come into the country. This game has been shifted from Leipzig to Budapest, Hungary. 
And thankfully, like they're going to get this game in. I, I'm I'm happy that these two, but this is a game that honestly, if I'm RB Leipzig, I am licking my chops with this. This is a Liverpool team that is really a atrocious loss at home to Man City over the weekend. They're still having to try to get two young center backs who they purchased in the recent closed transfer window, still able and up to the fitness level. Will we see either of them this weekend? Can the front for Liverpool score? They just have not been consistently scoring. If I'm RB Leipzig, I'm thoroughly excited because you are catching Liverpool potentially at the perfect time. Well, and then guess who they have to play in the league right before they go to Hungary? The mighty Leicester City. That, mm-hmm. And that's a very tough match, and they're playing that one at the King Power. So that's an opportunity for Leicester to go ham. Like, if, if they can catch them right, they, they could potentially go for a couple of goals like Man City did at Anfield on Sunday. So th- this is definitely a very optimal time for Leipzig going and, and playing Liverpool. And, and if we think about the way that Leipzig play, Leipzig love to catch you out on the counterattack. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a defensive line that is in sync and not completely back, but back enough to where you can defend against the counter, then that is something that, then that is really a recipe for disaster for Liverpool. And I remember when, when we were doing one of our first episodes, we were kind of reviewing the, reviewing the Champions League draw. And I had said that this one was one of the games that I was going to be watching. And, and this is a very, very good time for Leipzig to go and show how good they are. And with Liverpool being as depleted as they are, th- this is a prime opportunity for Leipzig. And, and it's unfortunate this game isn't going to be at the Red Bull Arena because if it was and they were able to play on their home field, I think that Leipzig would be able to go for a couple of goals in this game. But I, I think that this is going to, this is going to be really interesting because – we know that the quality is there for Liverpool and, and if they're able to come together at the right time, they can go and hit you for multiple goals. Mm-hmm. But this is a Leipzig team that are very, they're very confident in the way that they play and their defense is very strong and very underrated, I think in, in a lot of European circles. So I, I think that this could be a, I think that this could be a two 0 for Leipzig but just because of the way that they play, I think that they could they could shut Liverpool out and they could completely take this game over and catch them out for a couple of goals. But then at the same time, you could also you could have the odd night where Liverpool are able to put everything together and combine and go crazy. So th- this is a really tough one to call. I- I'm giving the upper hand here to Leipzig. And-, and around this time last year, that would have been completely outrageous to think. But But I think that the way that Leipzig play I honestly think that they could be catching Liverpool at the right time. I, I'm, I'm, I completely agree with you. I, I watched the game with them in Man City this weekend, and it just it fell apart in spectacular form. And I don't mean spectacular in a good way. Um, I just, this is almost the absolute perfect time for Leipzig to get Liverpool. Liverpool is hurting. They have they're in a tough stretch of games in their home league. Klopp is snapping at reporters because they ask questions. It's it's everything is going wrong at the worst possible time for this Liverpool team. So I, I hate to say it, um, but I, I agree with you. I think right now, if I had to guess who's going to win this tie, I got I, I have to go RB Leipzig. It, it's it's hard not to. They're they're young. They're t- they they've been able to 
let Timo Werner go and they haven't really taken too many steps back, which that, that shows you that they, they've got a pretty good system behind there that they can lose an absolute megastar in Timo Werner and still be this good, still get into the round of 16, still be a threat in the Bundesliga and potentially maybe go a few rounds into this, this knockout stage of the Champions League. So going from there, from one Bundesliga to another, Going on Wednesday of next week before we record, which would be awesome, Sevilla versus Borussia Dortmund. This is an intriguing matchup of a couple of lower level team lower level big teams that I, I this is gonna be hard to call on this one. This this is gonna be really interesting. And and I'm gonna start here by talking about Sevilla. Sevilla have not lost since January twelfth on the road to Atletico, who themselves are on their way to the La Liga title. So Sevilla are, are hitting their stride right now. And, they, and like, like I was mentioning earlier, they beat Barcelona today, two goals to nil in the first leg of the Copa del Rey semifinal, Kunde and Rakitic with goals. So I think that this is a Sevilla team that might be a threat to Dortmund right now, and especially considering that Dortmund went and lost 2-1 to Freiburg over the weekend. And in the DFB-Pokal match, earlier that week it took them extra time to get to to dispatch with Paderborn who are in the Zweite Bundesliga so I think that this is a perfect time we were talking about perfect timing for Leipzig against Liverpool I think that this is perfect timing for Sevilla against Dortmund honestly I I'm I'm thinking that Sevilla especially given the fact that they're going to be playing at the Sanchez Pichuan in the first leg I think that this is a, a match that Sevilla could expose the weaknesses in Borussia Dortmund and go off for a couple of goals and win this match. So for the, for the first leg, I'm, I'm going Sevilla here. This is definitely one of those teases. Like I, I, what Borussia Dortmund shows up? Is it the Borussia Dortmund that is absolutely electric going forward? Is it the Borussia Dortmund that cannot keep the ball and is extremely vulnerable in the back? This is a Sevilla team that is solid. They know what they are. They know how they broke. And this is a team that continuously wins the Europa League. So some people almost joke that they said, why did they go down to the Europa League? Because they always win it. So who knows? This is, this is a Sevilla team that has been solid. They're, they're, they're well-drilled. They know what they're doing. And this is a Borussia Dortmund team that just, they're young, they're talented, but they're inconsistent. And I think that's what really kills them in the Bundesliga. So I'm going to go with you. I'm going to have to lean Sevilla in this matchup just because Sevilla is the more known quantity. There's more consistency in their game that honestly, um, I feel much more comfortable saying Sevilla is going to win this than I do Borussia Dortmund, which is really scary seeing all of the superstar youth and young talent on that Borussia Dortmund team that I'm going to say Sevilla is going to win this matchup, which is really kind of crazy. And going from there, go ahead. No, I was going to agree with you and, and kind of going off of that, the, the next game we got is going to be, this is a, this is an interesting one. Porto versus Juventus. This one going to be played at the Stadio do Dragao in, in, Port, in Porto. And this is a Porto team who are, they're sitting second in the league right now. They, they're coming off of two consecutive draws. So there they're, seems a bit like they're kind of stagnating. And then Juventus are 
are really hitting their stride right now. They were able to get past Inter Milan and the Italia, and they beat Roma 2-0 in the league. They've got a big match coming up against Napoli in the league on the road. So Juve are, are kind of finding themselves a little bit over the course of the past couple of weeks. They're still behind AC Milan and Inter Milan in the league, but they're they're really kind of establishing a way that they want to play. And it's kind of taken them a while under Pirlo to be able to figure that out. But the, I gotta, I gotta say it, man, the addition of Weston McKenney into that Juventus team has really kind of helped to stabilize that, that roster. And he's been a consistent playmaker for that team. And who would have thought that the American coming into a team with Cristiano Ronaldo would be one of the pieces that kind of helped glue that team together. So I think that Juventus are going to be able to go one or two nil up in this one. And I think that they're going to be able to pull it off against Porto eventually. So what do you think? I mean, the start, the start, if you look at it just on paper, Juventus should win this easily. They've You've got Cristiano Ronaldo. Pirlo is your coach. You've got so many superstars on the Juventus payroll, but Porto is a pesky, pesky team. They aren't going to go away. Juventus has not been consistent. Yes, they're starting to maybe hit their stride at the right possible time. And Europe is weird. This 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 European season has been really weird. Again, COVID is always interesting. No fan base, which I think honestly kind of hurts Porto a little bit, not having the, the rabid fan base there in the stands being able to cheer on Porto. Um, in a two-legged set, the team with more talent usually wins. I'm going to go Juventus, but I think this one could be the best of the four because of the fact that you just don't know. Porto literally is playing with house money. They're, they're coming you, you never, you can never, you can never sleep on Portuguese teams in this type of competition. Definitely. I remember a couple of years ago, Bayern were playing Porto in the knockout round and Porto, if I'm remembering correctly, beat us three, one in the mm-hmm. first leg. And then of course, Bayern ended up going and scoring, I think it was six, seven to win that that tie but like we're saying you can never sleep on portuguese teams in in uh, in knockout competitions i mean they're very very pesky and you you don't have to have a special coach like jose Mourinho leading your team because this team does have a lot of a lot of talent like sergio Oliveira, diaz and and it's it's always tough when you're talking about porto or you're talking about benfica um, and and sporting this season are leading the leading the league. So next year we're probably going to be able to talk about them in the Champions League. So you, you can't sleep on Portuguese teams, especially Porto have, have proven it in the past that they can do it. Um, unfortunately for them, I, I I do think that Juventus are hitting their stride right now, and they're able to. The, I think that they should be able to win this fairly convincingly, but we'll have to see. In, in a two legged in a two legged tie, they might be able to go and pull off pull off a first leg win but i, I do think that you are going to be better off than long yeah and I, I i that's what i was going to say is like i i think they they may potentially win this first one they could win one or two nil but then you just go home and win three or four nil and and and, and end it that quickly so it's the one kind of odd thing about the two-legged ties is the fact that one game is not going to win you it and it does let your talent prove it more in the second game just as much as the first so uh, like i said i'll lean juventus but there, there is a little part of me that would love to see porto win this just just to kind of see how juventus would handle spending all that money 
for for Cristiano Ronaldo and potentially not getting a Champions League out of it. The, well, and then and then getting knocked out in the round of sixteen, not even being able to make the quarterfinals too. Exactly, exactly. So it, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, unfortunately for us, um, that is it for the Champions League games that are going to be played over this next week that we usually discuss. But four really intriguing games. I'm thoroughly looking forward to watching all four of those. Um, a lot of the major European leagues are getting into cup plays, different stuff like that. So I think let's hop back on, hop back over. We'll hop on to the ice in the NHL. And the same issue that we had last week seems to continue to be rearing its ugly head in the NHL. They still are having so many issues with COVID. So many teams, at least four teams now are sitting out with COVID pauses three teams have extended their COVID pause past the week that they already have had. I mean, as much as I love watching hockey, it is rather frustrating continuing to see these teams have this issue. Um, And the fact that it's just, it's really throwing a lot of these races for many of these conferences just completely out of whack because as soon as you think one team is doing well, well now they have a two week pause. So it'll be very interesting. Um, And, and, yeah, and you can't really get too much of a of a grasp and a proper analysis of of a, of a total body of work when you, when you've got when you got the Vancouver Canucks themselves they've played sixteen games, and then you've got the New Jersey Devils have only played nine, mm-hmm. and and you've been talking about your Buffalo Sabers they've only played ten, and then you got teams like the Blackhawks, my Chicago Blackhawks who played fourteen, but then even in their division you got the Hurricanes, Stars, and the Panthers have only played ten. Mm-hmm. So you've got all this variation. Um, so you, you can't get an, you can't get a firm concrete analysis of the whole body of work. Uh, you can kind of get an idea of who is playing best and who looks the best from their sample size. But in order to, in order to fully get a grasp, we're going to have to see a little bit more games played from all these teams. And hopefully as the season goes on, hopefully cross your fingers that we're able to kind of get a, get it, get the, the COVID pauses hopefully out of the way. So it's, it's kind of a wait and see thing, unfortunately, quite literally wait and see uh, until these teams get out of their COVID breaks. But I think, it's kind of going the way I would, I was thinking it would go. The teams that I thought that were going to be playing well are playing well. The my Blackhawks are kind of overperforming right now. From what I was thinking preseason, they've won six out of the last eight. So hopefully they can keep that up. But there, there's a lot of hockey to be played. Yeah, definitely for sure. And it is kind of cool to see Chicago hopped up and they're in a the playoff spot right now. But again, as we kind of discussed, and when you have two teams directly behind you just out of the playoff spots with four four games in hand, um, there, there's, just, there's just so much hockey still left to be played. I, I, I'm, I know the NHL has already made a few adjustments. Like they're taking, I think if I remember correctly, they're taking the glass out from behind the benches for more airflow so then that maybe if a player does somehow test negative but is is asymptomatic that they won't infect the entire team so so the nhl is trying to do everything that they can um i know they're trying to do everything to not have to bubble these guys and 
they're, they're getting as many games as they can in, um, but, it, but it is rather frustrating to, to see, to look at your NHL thing and to see eight games scheduled originally and only three of them are going to be played. So, I mean, it's, this, this was going to happen. You were going to go through the headaches. It's just, uh, they, they had so much time to prep everything for this that I think I'm more, I'm more irritated that some of these teams have had this issue because they watch the NFL go through its issues. The college basketball and college football teams already go through this issue. MLS go through this issue. Then it's like you would have thought, especially being such a tight confined with so many people that they would find a way to be able to not have this issue. But Come see, come saw. COVID seems to not want to do what we want it to do anyways. Um, I look at the standings right now, and it's kind of like we said. It's it's the same suspects um, ruling the roost. Boston on top of the east. Vegas on top of the west with, with Colorado in third. That, that's a little surprising again. Colorado's only played 11 games. The fact that Vegas is leading their division and only played 10 games is, is rather interesting as well. Uh, Tampa. I mean, we all knew even losing Kucherov. They're looking really good. Still going to be so good. They've only played 11 games. And Toronto is the cream of the league right now at 21 points, most points in the league. And this doesn't, this does not surprise me at all. I think this Toronto team literally is licking their chops that they have a, a conference that I think there isn't too many challengers. I, if Toronto doesn't come out of the North in the playoffs, it will be a monumental um, disappointment. Um, not even going to lie. Even this early in the year, uh, Montreal seems to be the only team that's going to hang with them. Edmonton is kind of off and on. Unfortunately, their goaltending might be their downfall. Um, when you have to play a younger goaltender to be able to, to win games is, is never <laughs> – is sometimes not always a great recipe for winning, especially in the NHL. Um, and their defensive core has never been known to be the most solid in the world. So I, I see more problems with Edmonton than I, than I see Toronto, but Toronto has not exactly got a lot of defensive juggernauts. So we will definitely have to see how that goes. Um, I just, I look at the NHL and I think there's, there's a lot of intrigue. I, um, I'm really looking forward to here in the next week or so. We have the outdoor games at Lake Tahoe. That, that's going to be fun. I've all I've always been a fan of the the outdoor games. It's it's always really fun to watch, especially there there have been a couple of games that there's actually been snow while the game's been going on, and it's just been really fun to see just the the chaos of that game. But yeah, those those are going to be very very interesting. Yeah, definitely for sure, and I'm looking forward to because the fact that the Las Vegas Knights I think are one of the teams that's going to be playing in in the two games um, in Lake Tahoe. I mean, if you give me half a second i can get i can get the two the games that are going to be there so they're saturday february 20th and sunday february 21st and yeah is it trying to see here real quick who i can't remember so we got vegas vegas versus colorado on saturday Mm -hmm. and then the next day it's going to be Philadelphia versus Boston. Yep. So, but that's, that's absolutely awesome to see a couple of outdoor games, which is really, really, which is really, really nice to see. And the fact that they were still able to do outdoor classics, which I, I think, unfortunately there for a while, they were kind of beat to death, but with this year having COVID issues, maybe just maybe you might be able to find a way to, uh, 
to to get some fans at some of these NHL games, especially if it's outdoors at Lake Tahoe. So that'll definitely be sure. But uh, we can talk about more of those in a couple of weeks when they're they're a little bit closer. Um, well, Brad, uh, since we already kind of did your stat of the week, um, I think uh, we can uh, wrap up this this nice little quick episode here. Um, as we speak, Iowa has just started against Rutgers. Um, unfortunately, the original channel is supposed to be on, which is only going to make me more frustrated, is Northwestern has taken Indiana to overtime. Oh, lovely. As we speak. Yeah. So. Just because just we, we need more of the Indiana Hoosiers in our lives. <laughs> so, thankfully, I have the, the app going. Iowa, Iowa has just gotten started with Rutgers. So, ladies and gentlemen, that has been another episode of Coach Hess's Sports Podcast. Again, many thanks to Brad again for hopping on again. You are a star. Um, please, please, please like, share, and subscribe this podcast and all your podcasting. Google, Spotify, Apple, all those. We, we genuinely appreciate all of your listens. We, we, we want your feedback. If you got feedback for us, please let us know if there's anything you'd like us to, to hear about our show. We, we always, always love good feedback. And um, I don't know about you, sir, but I think I'm going to go you know, watch this Iowa game. Yep. Try, try and not freeze to death. Try and make sure that I'm in one piece by, by next Wednesday for the next recording. So see you next time. Take care, and we'll, we'll, we'll see you all next time. And that will be our show. We'll talk to you again next week, sports fans.